to Blue Springs Christian Church. We're glad that you've decided to worship with us today. Would you please go ahead and stand to your feet as we begin to worship? And if there's anyone that's new in the room or for those that are joining us online, if you're new, uh, if you could please text new to this number that's on your screen, that way we can connect with you. We would greatly appreciate it. And the same goes for those that are joining us online uh, for a second or third or fourth time. If you could text your full name uh, to that same number, we would appreciate it. Uh, let, let's worship the Lord.
thank you for the fact that your, your mercy outweighs our sin, Lord. Father, you are gracious and merciful far beyond our merit, far beyond what we deserve, Lord. Father, we just pray that you would fill us with that grace and mercy today. Lord, help us to have a new understanding and awakening within our own hearts and minds, Lord, of your goodness towards us. It's in your name we pray, amen. Please have a seat. One of the many ways that we worship our Lord is by being obedient to him. And one of the things he calls us to do um, as followers of him is to give a portion of what he's given back to him. So if Blue Springs Christian Church is your church home, I want to encourage you to take that step out in faith this week. If you have questions on why or how to give, you can check out our website or text the word give to the numbers on the screen. And if you're here on campus, our offering boxes are still available at the doors. This month, we've been really focusing on being both thankful and giving. And so this week, when I was thinking about what we should share about being thankful, it really hit me how thankful I have been for prayer. We've had a couple, un, well, not unanswered, but answered not in the way we wanted them prayers in our life lately at our house. And so I have found myself up in the middle of the night kind of contemplating what that means for us. And it is amazing to me that no matter what time of day, even at 2 a.m., that our Lord not only asks me to come to him, but he's there waiting for me to do so. And as I've gone to him in the middle of the night with my, with my concerns and my thoughts, he has given me such a sense of peace and calmness that can only come from him and the Holy Spirit. And I'm so grateful for that avenue of communication with him. And we want to help you pray and help step in with you and pray. So if you have a prayer request, you can submit them online on our response page um, on our website, but we would also love for you to just text it in every weekend. If you have a prayer request, that same number we use for everything else can also accept prayer requests, and then we get together on Monday and we pray over them. And we would love to intercede on your behalf in prayer with you. So please consider doing that. Besides being thankful, we are always giving here at Blue Springs Christian Church. I love that part of our culture. Last Saturday, a number of us got together for an hour and a half, split across three groups, and we packed meals for something to eat, a local organization. We packed 10,152 meals in an hour and a half, and those meals are already in homes in the Kansas City area. So we're so grateful that you all step up and give both financially and of your time so that we can benefit the community around us. Thank you for doing that. If you're new to Blue Springs Christian Church, I want to encourage you to text the word new to that same number so that we can be in contact with you this week. And if you're a BSCC or joining us online, thanks for joining us. Text your names in so we know that you're here with us. Thank you.
Well, hello, church. Uh, great to be with you. want to say hi to everybody online. Uh, we're glad you could be with us. We know that God is with you where you are and with us. We're, we're working our way through it, the New Testament letter, James, right now in our worship, and we're right in the middle of the letter. And this has been a really inspiring letter for us in some key areas where uh, we may be feeling tempted or sort of discouraged about, about giving up in. The first chapter of the letter talks about not giving up when life tests you, when you go through trials, not giving up on your faith, not giving up on, on uh, you know, God. And so it, just a great uh, beginning to the letter. And then the, the second chapter of the letter we, we looked at where James writes about not giving up on loving everybody and uh, that we are to have no, to, to have no favor or show no favoritism. Uh, but to love everyone. And then last week we looked at uh, how we are to not give up to, uh, on doing good, that our, our beliefs and our actions need to come together for our faith to be genuine. And that brings us to chapter 3. And this is a wonderful chapter that will inspire us and challenge us about not giving up in speaking words that build up, in speaking words that, that, that bless and are positive. And uh, I want to just go right to what I think is one of the key verses of the chapter and begin the message this way. So in verse 10, it says, Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. James says, you know, out of our mouth, you know, come good words, but then also damaging words. Words that bless, but then also words that hurt. Words that build up, but then the tear down, and, and this shouldn't be. And so James, in this part of the letter, really challenges us to diagnose our words, to sort of open our mouths and go, ah, and, and look inside and see what do our words have to say to us about our health and, and about our heart. And he writes in this part of the letter about the tongue because, you know, that was the primary way communication happened in that day. But I think if James wrote the letter now, he would also write about the words that we communicate in email and with text and posting on social media, all, all of our communication. And on average, we have about 30 specific conversations in a given day. We spend about 20% of our lives using words. Now, for some, the percentage would be up higher than that. Um, show of hands if, if you know somebody that talks too much, okay? Uh, keep your hand up if, if uh, you're sitting next to that person, okay? No, uh, you need takers on that. Uh, but if we were to record your words or anybody's words for a year, and uh, w just every conversation, any way in which you communicate, that would total about 132 books, with every book containing 200 pages in one year. We, we just use words all of the time. And the question I want us to, to think about as we begin to get into uh, this chapter is if somebody took the book off the shelf that contained your words over the last seven days and they read through that, what conclusions would the reader draw about you, about you know, your heart, about who you are, how do you and I stay positive with our words? Have you found that to be at all challenging in 2020? <laughs> I mean, come on. It's just, you know, I don't know what's going on personally necessarily in your life, but the pandemic has been such a challenge. You know, we've, we've come through these elections and, and just the unrest in, in, our, in our 
country right now, there's just, at a macro level, 2020 has, has been so challenging for us to stay positive in our outlook, to stay positive with our words. And then, you know, not even thinking about what you have gone through, but, you know, just, but if you were to factor that in as well with your family or maybe your health or financially. And so what I want to do is I want to come to this third chapter in James and look at it through the lens of what does it teach us about how to stay positive with our words, how to, how to not give up on communicating only words that build up, only words that are, that, that are helpful. The chapter begins this way, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. So James says if you're a teacher, you're, you're going to be judged in, in a more strict way. And so that causes me to just want to stop talking and pray. <laughs> a teacher places himself or herself in greater danger of judgment because the main tool in our arsenal are words. And words have tremendous power for good and also for evil. In verse 2, is stated in a way that implies nobody's perfect with their words. We all say the wrong thing at times or you know, at the wrong time or in the wrong way, the wrong spirit. But even though perfection will not be reached until heaven, we, we are to continue to strive in Christ toward holiness, and our words reveal our character. And so they're key to who, who we are. And so the first thing James teaches us about, you know, how do you stay positive with your words is, is we need to grasp the magnitude of our words, and I don't think we do that very well. At this point in the letter, I just picture James thinking about things that are small in size comparison to the huge influence that they have, just, just way out of size, way out of proportion in terms of, of, of the, the influence that they have. So he goes in verse 3 and writes, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the, the whole animal. So James thinks about you know, just these little two, three-inch pieces of metal. You, you put that bit in, in, in the mouth of a horse, you can turn a 1,500-pound animal, 1,500-pound horse in whatever direction you want. Just powerful. goes on then, verse 4. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. So he thinks about these, these ships, these sailing ships in the first century weighed up to 400 tons. Huge. And, let the, and yet the course of these ships was determined by just a small rudder in whatever direction the pilot wanted to take the ship. So he's thinking about these things, and then, he, and then he thinks about just a small spark. He goes, verse 5, he says, first of all, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great force to set on fire by a small spark. So he thinks about just a single spark and what that can do. Reminds me of those... Uh, you know, sparklers that, that we enjoy on July 4th, you know, and you see those little blue and white dots dancing their way up into the sky, you know, but just one of those little flaming dots can ignite and destroy tens of thousands of acres. And so as James thinks about these three examples, he's like, they all pale in comparison to the magnitude, the power and the influence of the human tongue. 
Verse 6, the tongue also is a fire, James writes, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. The human tongue weighs less than three ounces. It's no more than four inches long, and yet its size-to-impact ratio is just absolutely unparalleled by anything in nature. James says the uncontrolled tongue is a world of evil. It corrupts a person's life. It sets the whole course of a person's life on fire. It is a restless evil. It, it's potentially fatal. And for us, I think, to, to, to uh, be able to commit to just speaking words that are positive, that are a blessing, that build up, we have got to first just recognize and rightly value the magnitude of our words that they contain the power for both evil and good. And we read this in Proverbs 18, 21. The tongue has the power of life and death. So our words have the power of life and death for our family. If you're married, your, your, tongue, your words have the power of life and death in your marriage. They contain the power of life and death, our words, in a, in a friendship or, or with a coworker. Our, our, our words have the power of life and death in a church. And so here's how I want to illustrate this first principle. Let, let's say that you're just going along in your day and you come across a little relational fire, just, just a small spark of contention that is, is going on. And I just want you to picture yourself as you come across that situation that you've got a gallon of water in one hand and you've got a gas can in the other and you decide what you want to pour onto that little relational fire by the words that you, you use. That you could, you could pour some gasoline and cause that difficult situation to become even more toxic, even more destructive, or you could take you know, the water, the can of water, and pour some water to de-escalate some things with your words to help the dynamics, change the dynamics of that situation for the better with your words. I, I think it's a healthy way to think about your words and whether you're, you know, speaking or texting or posting, whatever it is that, that your words, you, when, you, when you come into your home, when you go to work around your coworkers, here at church, you're, you've, got a, uh, you've got a container of water and you've got a gas can. And you decide you know, what, what, what you're going to pour uh, out with the words that you communicate. Now, in verse 8, James goes on in the chapter and says, nobody can tame the tongue. You cannot tame your words. I cannot tame my words. We, it, it, left to ourselves and our own efforts and power, our words are, are, are stronger than us. But in the power of the Holy Spirit and through the working of God in our lives, we do have the ability, the capability to communicate only words that build up, only words that are positive and helpful. More on that here in just a minute. But to continue on with the chapter, in verse 9, James writes, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who've been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. Let, let's, just, let's just 
let that sink in for a second. That we speak words to bless God, to praise God, to thank God, to worship God, but then we also speak words that criticize and judge and curse somebody who's made in the image of that very same God. And so James is like, it's actually the Holy Spirit speaking through James. This should not be. And so the second thing then that we need to do is we just need to commit to say, I am getting rid of all destructive words. That any words that, that come out of our mouth or that we communicate that devalue another human being just flies in the face of the value that God has bestowed upon every human being. And this is why some of the strongest words that ever come out of the mouth of Jesus are these words in Matthew 5.22 where he says, if you say that somebody is worthless, you will be in danger of the fires of hell. He says, if, if we use diminishing words, insulting words towards another human being, Jesus says, just understand, you do that at your own peril. Because God does not take devaluing people lightly. I mean, he paid a high, high price to prove the value and how precious every human being is. And he just expects us to act and live and speak accordingly. And so I thought about, okay, at this point, we could spend some time just recognizing, you know, the kinds of word, destructive words that we need to get rid of. You know, the, you know, the gossiping and, and the, the critical and judging words, the, the, the raging and angry words, those, you know. But I think what would be more helpful to us here would be to talk a little bit about how do we do this? How did we get rid of because I think everybody who's worshiping right now here, we want to eliminate these kind of words. But how, this is no easy task. So I have two thoughts. The first one is, is a very humbling thing. And that is to acknowledge the sin. To just, to just call destructive, devaluing words what they are. They're sin. Because in our spiritual battle, I really feel like the evil one is quite crafty and deceptive here in helping us to, with our words and communication, feel like we can justify ourselves. I can justify my words, you see. And so somebody that's really critical, they're like, you know, that's just the way I am. I'm just kind of wired up that way, you, you know. What you see is what you get. To, you know, somebody that's, that's really, you know, negative, all the time. That, that's just my personality, you know, or somebody that's really argumentative. They're like, you ought to see these people over here, how combative they are. I'm, I'm nothing compared to that, or you don't understand the kind of stress that I've been under, you see. And instead, we just, we just need to humble ourselves and say, you know, uh, Jesus died for my grumbling, complaining words. That, that, that my harsh words, that my critical words contributed to, cross, to Christ going to the cross. And just, just, just recognize what it is, acknowledge it, repent of it, confess it as we do then, church. We invite the supernatural working of the Holy Spirit into our heart and life. And in Christ, we not only receive forgiveness for those sins, 
But then the Holy Spirit promises also to cleanse us. The Bible talks about cleansing us when we confess. Cleanse us of the selfishness and the resentment that is behind destructive words. And James writes about this. If you read verses 14 through 16 of the chapter, he writes about how destructive selfish ambition and vain conceit is. In fact, let me tell you exactly what he says. He says, they lead to disorder and every evil practice. And so we just need to confess this for what it is, just this junk that's in us, and invite God to forgive us. And he will. He said, I, I will forgive you, and I will cleanse you at a heart level of this unrighteousness. And that brings me then to to the second thing that we can do to just get rid of destructive words, and it's this, that we, we fill our heart. We just fill our heart up with God because the Bible teaches us again and again that when I have a problem with my words, it's a heart problem. James writes about this in the chapter as well, verses 11 and 12. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. So can you get a spring and draw fresh water and salt water from that same spring? Well, no, you can't. That's impossible. If you mix salt water and fresh water together, can you, can you get a fresh water taste? No, it's going it's to be salty, you see. James says, can a, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? No, that's never going to happen. And what he's teaching us here is that our words reveal what's in our heart, that our words give us away. For the first several years of his adult life, Lee Strobel was a staunch atheist. I want to read something that he, he writes about his life. My daughter Allison was five years old when I became a follower of Jesus, and all she'd known in those five years was a dad who was profane and angry. I remember I came home one night and kicked a hole in the living room wall just out of anger with life. I'm ashamed to think of the times Allison hid in her room to get away from me. Five months after I gave my life to Jesus, that little girl went to my wife and said, Mommy, I want God to do for me what he's done for Daddy. God can not only transform our words, but transform our heart. For that to happen, you need to have the grace and the Spirit of God just just filling and refilling your life seeking God in this way. You need to have the love of God and the Word of God, you know, coming into your mind and heart on a daily basis. You need to have the love and the Lordship of Jesus Christ just ruling and reigning over your heart. And as you seek God in this way and you invite Him to just fill your life and fill your heart, then you come to a place where this third thing that we see in in this uh, third chapter of James being lived out in the way in which you communicate. And, and that's this, that, that you communicate only life-giving words. And the chapter closes with James giving us a definition of wisdom, wisdom from heaven. And as you read that definition, you can see how our words can bless, how our words can, can do good. 
and be of help. So let me just read these last couple of verses from the chapter. James writes, the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It's also peace-loving. It's gentle at all times and willing to yield to others. It's full of mercy and good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. So again, let's think about this definition. First of all, wise words are gentle. And one of the best things that we can do when it comes to our our words is to ask ourselves, what does my tone communicate? Because our our tone will either build a bridge or it will build a wall. And so when when you choose gentle words, say if you're having a problem with somebody, you're doing what you can to build a bridge there relationally and bring life to that relationship. Wise words are gentle. Wise words are pure. They are sincere. If we're going to speak and communicate words that build up, they must be truthful. And sometimes that, that can, can sting a little bit. I want to say to parents, there's going to be times when your children will not want to hear your, your words of truth. You, you know, tell them anyway. It'll help bring life to them. Or with a friend, maybe, who has wandered, and James at the end of this letter talks about, you know, when you have somebody that's wandering from from God that, you know, they need to hear some truth. They may not want to hear it, but, you know, know, communicate it anyway. Words that are wise are pure. They are sincere, but they're also peace-loving, and they're full of mercy. And so we turn to our Lord because he's the master at how you take truth and bring it together with mercy. It's why Jesus' words are so so life-giving. You think about what he said to the woman who was brought to him that had committed adultery. first, First he waits for everybody to leave, and then he says, neither do I condemn you. Now go and leave your life of sin. So he doesn't condone her sin, but he doesn't condemn her either, you see. Truth and mercy combining together. It's just life-giving. And then wise words are good. They're, they're good deeds. The late Henry Nouwen lived for a while in a, in a home with people with special needs. He writes about this experience. In my own community, I had a very personal experience with the power of a real blessing. And he goes on to tell about a, a woman who lived there named Janet who came up to him one day and said, Henry, I want you to give me a blessing. And he told her, he said, at the end of the worship, service tonight. I'll I'll do that. So let me just read to you what happened. He writes, after the service, when about 30 people were sitting in a circle on the floor, I said, Janet has asked me for a special blessing. She feels that she needs that now. As I was saying this, I didn't know what Janet really wanted, but Janet didn't leave me in doubt for very long. As soon as I said, Janet has asked me for a special blessing, she stood up and walked toward me. Spontaneously, Janet put her arms around me, put her head against my chest, and as we held each other, I said, Janet, I want you to know that you are God's beloved daughter. You are precious in God's eyes. Your your beautiful smile, the good things you do, they show us what a beautiful human being you are. And I know that you feel a little low these days, and there's some sadness in your heart. But I want you to remember who you are, a very special person, deeply loved by God and by everyone in this house. And then he writes, 
As soon as I said these words, Janet raised her head and looked at me, and her broad smile showed that she had really heard and received the blessing. And when she returned to her place, Jane, another physically challenged woman, raised her hand. I want a blessing too. So she stood up, and before I knew it, she had put her face against my chest. And after I had spoken words of blessing to her, many more of the challenged people followed her, expressing the same desire to be blessed. I, the point of that story is that every human being wants to be blessed with life-giving words. Words matter. Words that build up. Words that encourage. Words that bless. They, they, they enrich people's lives and, and they, they change people's lives. And so maybe at work this week you'll have an opportunity to be able to share some words that build up a coworker. And it might feel a little bit awkward for you. I just say, go for it. If you're married, and maybe this will feel a little challenging, but either go out to dinner or just sit on your couch, hold hands with your spouse, look into, into their eyes, and just share with them the qualities that you love and appreciate most about them. Parents, bless your children verbally and often. Affirm who they are and who they can become. I mean, if, if you are not building up your children with your words, who's going to do that? And so every one of us, we have the opportunity to bring healing, to bring value, to bring joy to other people by communicating words that build up. And I just challenge you, church, that over the next seven days, that you, you bless with your words at least one person one person each day. See how they respond. See how you feel. I close with this quote from Frederick Buechner. He writes, although kindness is not the same thing as holiness, it is awfully close. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are filled with joy in our knowledge of your kindness and your goodness. And we, in our time of worship together, acknowledge that every good thing in our life has come from you. You, Father, who do not change like the shifting shadows. We want to be like you, God. We want to speak words, only words, and communicate only words that build up. Only words that are, that are helpful, that are a blessing and an encouragement, that ultimately point other people to you. And yet we know, God, as we've, we've read from this letter about our words today, that, that we cannot tame our tongue, that we cannot do this alone. And so we seek you and we seek your Holy Spirit. We need you, God. We submit ourselves to you. We, we turn away from destructive, devaluing words. We, we, we don't have anything to do with that, God. Forgive us when we have fallen short. And we commit ourselves to following you, Jesus, in this way. 
that we would speak and communicate words of grace and truth. We welcome the power and the leadership and the blessing of the Holy Spirit in us in this way. We pray this for your glory, God. Thank you. Thank you for being at work in our lives. In the name of our Savior Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. Would you please stand and worship with us?
Lord, we ask that you would do a working within our own hearts, Lord. We know that in and of ourselves, uh, Lord, that we are not capable to uh, achieve this standard, Lord. So, Lord, we just ask that you would um, fill our lives, Lord, with your presence. It's in your name we pray. Amen. If you could just direct your attention, we're going to have a, a baptism. everyone. I want to introduce Shelly Koppel to you. Not only is she being baptized today, but this is actually her birthday as well. So what, no better way to celebrate someone's birthday. Shelby, do you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes. Wonderful. Then I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. I hope that you were able to grab a communion cup as you came in, and we're going to end our time of worship together, uh, just taking communion. And uh, but before we do that, I want to I want to just uh, point our attention to First Corinthians chapter eleven, where it calls us into a time of of just um, examining our hearts as we go into this time of communion. So I want to take just a minute. Let's let's just uh, examine our own hearts and minds as as we come into this time of the Lord's table. Let's go ahead and just remove the, the top off the cup and we're gonna eat in remembrance of the body that was broken. same way that we eat, let's also drink in remembrance of the blood that was shed. We believe that words have the ability to either give life or take it away. We see that all throughout scripture. We see that from the very beginning that God spoke and things came into being, that words have that very power. And so I pray as we go this week about our lives that we can uh, just seek, first of all, seek the Holy Spirit to guide and direct our hearts and minds as we speak to others. 
and then obey his, uh, his spirit and, and speak love into each other's lives. So I pray that you have a wonderful week. Thank you so much for being here. Um, if you could just stay put for now, we're gonna have an usher come and dismiss you. We'll see you guys later.